If there's one passage of the New Testament that is familiar to a lot of people even outside of the church, it would be the Lord's Prayer. I, I have seen on many movies and TV shows that they want to show a, a generic Christian, they will have that person uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. It's a, it's a safe prayer for them to have in a way because it actually doesn't mention Jesus' name and, and movies and, and uh, TV shows don't like to use Jesus' name except for as a swear word. So they'll use the Lord's Prayer. So it becomes a very familiar prayer to people at least of a certain generation. Uh, I happen to have grown up in a church uh, in our tradition, we actually prayed the Lord's Prayer every single week. It was a part of our worship, a part of our liturgy, and so it became very familiar to us. And not only that, even if I hadn't been someone who was attending church, I would have been familiar with the Lord's Prayer because when I was in school, uh, we had the Lord's Prayer uh, every morning. I was telling my children that on uh, on the way here that uh, we would start our day in school with uh, O Canada and then praying the Lord's Prayer. And I said, this is not a Christian school. This is just the way all the schools were at that time, that we would have that prayer. Now, to be completely honest, it wasn't that meaningful to me, especially in school. For me, it was more about uh, gaining a few more precious moments before the lectures and the lessons would have to start. So it was a little bit of a break that we didn't have to think too hard. We could just kind of mouth the words and uh, just stand there and we would uh, put off school for a little bit. So it didn't really mean a whole lot to me at the time. And also, We'll never get back to that time when schools will have the Lord's Prayer being prayed. And that's probably uh, an appropriate thing for it not to be there because uh, probably it's a very small percentage of uh, children in school who are actually practicing Christians. And to make non-Christians uh, pray a Christian prayer uh, really is probably not doing a whole lot of good. Those times might be done, but the Lord's Prayer still has so much to teach us, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Now, there's a danger with the Lord's Prayer in that it can easily become just a meaningless ritual. Now, I'm not saying praying the Lord's Prayer every week or even every day will make it a ritual, but it is possible for us just to mindlessly go through the words, just to, to, to say the words themselves without it ever meaning anything personal. And to be honest, the prayer that Jesus teaches us here, even though the specific words are important, it's really not about praying just exactly what Jesus teaches here. Rather, this is given to us as a model of how our prayers can be. And so we can take our own prayers and build them around the structure that we find in the Lord's Prayer. And I actually see three buckets in this prayer uh, that we can place uh, different aspects of prayer. So the first bucket would be our relationship with God. So you see how the Lord's Prayer actually begins with uh, talking to God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, meaning let your name be holy. And so it's starting off with praise 
to God and talking about God's kingdom coming to earth. Uh, If there is one theme that is consistent through Jesus' teaching, it's about the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, It could be argued the Gospels are completely about the message of the kingdom. And so this prayer is saying, yes, God, right now you rule completely in heaven, and we wish that that kind of reign would exist here on earth, that you would be in charge, that people would be obedient to you and follow your ways. And so it's focusing on this relationship that we have with God. And so when we pray, we need to include that. Uh, It's important for us to address ourselves to God. Uh, As a father, I wouldn't want Uh, all of my communication with my children to be simply them asking for things. I would want to have some kind of relationship-building conversations, and I value those conversations that we have. And we should have those kind of conversations with God as well. The second bucket that we find in this prayer is that of praying for our needs. And I've heard A Christian saying, well, you know what, I I feel kind of selfish praying for my own needs. I shouldn't really do that. I should just be uh, praying for uh, missionaries overseas, which, of course, we should be praying for our missionaries overseas. Or I should be praying for, uh, you know, victims of a natural disaster, but I shouldn't be praying for myself. And yet, this prayer highlights that we should indeed be praying for our own needs. We are to pray for our daily bread. We are to pray for our forgiveness. Those are things that are important. Uh, We find this over and over again. Even Jesus himself, on a number of occasions, we find him praying for his own needs. He's not afraid to do that. There's nothing unspiritual unspiritual about praying for our own needs. We find this with the Apostle Paul in the rest of the New Testament. He will often say to the people he is writing a letter to, please pray for me for this need. And he'll express the prayers that he has. And so please pray for the things that are happening. If you are suffering in some way, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or something like that, uh, go to God. He wants to hear what those needs are. So there's no reason for us to hold back. And the third bucket that we find here is our relationship with others. And it's kind of hidden in this prayer, but it is very important. Uh, In this prayer, we find that uh, Jesus says that we are to uh, ask for forgiveness as we forgive others. So that's our relationship with others. That's a whole other part of the way our prayers can work. And all of these three buckets actually can be found in the principle of the, uh, the great command that Jesus gave. Uh, when someone came to Jesus and said, uh, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? He said, love God. So that's our first bucket. And he said, uh, and love your neighbor. And that's our third bucket, as yourself. And that's the second bucket. So we are supposed to love God, we're supposed to love other people, and we're supposed to love ourselves. Those are the three things that we find in the Lord's Prayer. And so that's great. That's good for us to understand. 
Now, having taught this prayer, Jesus taught this to his disciples, I am sure that they are waiting to hear what's the next thing that he's going to say. Have you ever been in a situation where uh, a speaker has said something really profound and you just can't wait for that person to, to bring it home, to, to give us the, the, the real big takeaway that we're supposed to, to act on this? And uh, so we're, we get this incredible teaching, this beautiful prayer, this powerful uh, explanation of what prayer is supposed to look like. And so we're waiting. What is Jesus going to say next? And he could have said anything, right? He could have said, now I've given you this prayer. Go and pray it three times every day. Or maybe he would have said, I want you to fast for an hour before and an hour after praying this prayer. He could have said that. And that would have made sense. But that's not what he says. What does he say? He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, that's not what we want to hear. That's not really encouraging. We get this great prayer, and then we're told this really difficult teaching. Why would he choose that? In fact, I even said that that part about forgiving others, it seems like it's just kind of stuck in there, like it's a little tag on from the rest of it. And so uh, we don't know what to do with that. But Jesus chooses that as being the focus of his follow-up to the teaching of the Lord's Prayer. Now, there's two problems that we might have when we get to this, okay? The first problem is theological. How does that fit? Uh, Isn't God's forgiveness unconditional? How can he say to us that we have to forgive someone else or else he won't forgive us? We don't even know how to fit that into our theology. So that's the first problem. Second problem is we just don't want to do it. Uh, If you've ever been... Uh, hurt by someone and you're feeling that bitterness, we don't want to forgive them. So we have two of those things going on. And as I was thinking about this passage, I was imagining what would happen if we had the opportunity to address Jesus directly and to say, okay, Jesus, what is going on with this teaching? Are you really saying that I can't go to heaven if I don't forgive those people who hurt me? Are you really saying that? And what I would imagine Jesus saying in response would be, why is it you're fighting against this anyways? What is it that you hope to gain by not forgiving someone? What is the benefit you will receive by holding on to bitterness? Put aside the whole thing about what the consequences are. Why do you want to hold on to unforgiveness? And that is a really important thing for us to think about. We fight against it. When we see these words, we think, no, wait, that's too hard. But why not forgive the person who has hurt us? That is something that is really important. The answer, by the way, to the the theological problem is the, the foundation to being a Christian is calling upon Jesus as Lord. And that means when Jesus tells us to do something, We do it. That's the way this fits in here. But what does it even mean to say that we're going to forgive someone? I am not saying by forgiveness that you have to become best friends with the person who has stabbed you in the back 
many times over, who has uh, continually given you a hard time, abused you, or hurt you, or whatever. You don't have to become best friends. I'm not saying that forgiveness is about putting yourself in a position of danger. I'm not saying that a spouse should remain in an abusive relationship because Jesus says to forgive. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is about letting go, saying to God, uh, this person has hurt me, and it has been really difficult, but I am going to give that person over to you. And here's the thing that uh, people maybe might struggle with. We think, well, that person has to repent first. They have to come to me and say that they're sorry. Then I will forgive them. But that's not what Jesus says. We're just to forgive them. Now, if that person comes and apologizes, that's great. If there's reconciliation, that's great. But it doesn't always happen. We can forgive someone even if they refuse to come to us and to admit that they had done something wrong. And we can forgive someone even if they have died and we have no access to them at all. We can say, you know what? God, I am giving all of these feelings over to you. I am ready to let it go. I said that this idea of forgiving others is just kind of tucked in there, like it's a, this little piece of the Lord's Prayer. But in many ways, it actually is interconnected with the whole prayer. Uh, how does the, the prayer begin? It talks about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we choose to forgive people who have hurt us, that is the kingdom coming on earth, at least in a little way. It's beginning to seep down into the earth, into our relationships, because we are choosing to be obedient and forgiving the person who has hurt us. Uh, We're to pray that we would be uh, not led into temptation, but be delivered from the evil one. And the temptation would be for us to hold on for, to our bitterness. Uh, the, the evil one would want us to refuse forgiveness no matter what. And yet we reject that and we go and we forgive the person who needs it. The Lord's Prayer, it's an amazing prayer. I love this prayer. But it's not about, about a bunch of uh, magic words. That's not what it's about. The Lord's Prayer and all prayer should be connected to the way we live our lives. And that includes this prayer here. This prayer is not something that we just go into our prayer closet, pray it, and walk out as if nothing happened. It has to affect uh, the way we live. And what I would want you to do right now is to think about that one person that you are having trouble forgiving. I want you to get that person in your mind. I want you to see their face. I want you to to, uh, think of their name right now, that person you're really struggling with. And I want you to think about them. And I want you to forgive them. Forgive them. And I know it's hard. I know that especially if it has been a real difficult situation, excuse me, if you've been the victim of abuse, if you have been uh, betrayed in some way, I know that it is difficult. So I would ask that you would pray to God for strength and that you would pray for the person. Do you know there's a person who has given me a hard time and I regularly Uh, go by where this person lives. And do you know what my prayer every time is that God would bless them and that that person would be a blessing to others. And I do that in my own way of forgiving. When it comes to forgiveness, 
what do we have to lose by forgiving? The only thing we have to lose is our bitterness. Forgiveness is something that God wants for us for our own sake. It will end up being a blessing to each one of us. Let us pray. God, we pray for the person who has hurt us, the person who has betrayed us, the person who has offended us in some way, even the person who has abused us. We ask that you would touch them and you would touch us and help us to forgive them no matter what may have happened. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.